Okay, so tonight we're going to talk about Judaism. What is that the religion of? The Jewish people. Now, what is unique about the Jewish people then that is, that is, thank you, is uh, that no other religion shares? So when when the Jews became a nation, you could be a Jew by religion and also a Jew by birth. All right, but that's also that also supersedes that to the fact back of the time uh, of early early times when God chose and set apart His people, the Israelites. So there are groups of Jewish peoples. Okay. Just like no one Christian in our denominations are the same, Jewish peoples are different as well. So there are four groups of Jewish people. There are Orthodox Jews, Conservative Jews, Reformed Jews, and Messianic Jews. Does anyone want to give a, give a go at, at either of these? Uh, I. Um, was Anne Frank Orthodox? I don't know. What? The diary? Got to read it. Okay. Does anybody know anything about any of these people? Doesn't seem like it, and that's okay for now. So we're gonna move on. Just keep those four people groups in your mind. Um, as we move forward. So the history of the Jewish people is a very, very rich history. Uh, I would say that it is the original religion, right? It's the first world religion. The Jewish people are descended from ancient Hebrews. Uh, of course, we know this when we see the covenant of who in Genesis. God makes a covenant with someone and those people become the nation. Abraham, he makes the Abrahamic covenant. He says, your, your people will be as what? Stars in the sky and the specks in the sand. If you can count them, that's how many descendants you'll have. And so their name comes from Eber, their traditional ancestor. And you can actually go even further back to Shem, who is one of, uh, one of the sons of Noah. And from Shem comes the word Semitic. So when you are prejudiced towards a Jew, what do they call that? Yes, anti-Semitics, anti-Semitism. And so you're seeing these words, which is the group of people, how you would refer to them. Again, it's more Hebrew words coming from the past. So obviously there's our very rich, very, very rich history of Israel. It goes much further back than we have time to discuss tonight. But you can say that you can easily trace it back to the book of Genesis when Abraham and God, they make a covenant, and thus comes the, the nation of Israel. What's the story of the New Testament uh, when it comes to the nation of Israel? What do you think? I meant to say Old Testament. I meant to say Old, I'm sorry. Thank you. So, but what was the, what was the cycle of how they acted? I'm sorry. They would rebel, they'd be punished, God would graciously restore them to his favor, and we kind of see that going over and over again. Now, one of the highlights of the nation of Israel, and one that they remember very, very specially in their calendar, is the Exodus. Now, what's the Exodus? 
Yes, so big deal. Moses confronts Pharaoh. Moses refused to let them go. How many plagues are there? Ten. Ten. Um, and if you ever want to study the plagues, they're very interesting. They aren't just random events that happen. You can actually study Egyptian uh, gods and Egyptian uh, like fertility gods and things like that. And you'll see that the, the plagues align with exactly what God is attacking. So God is saying, oh, this is your God of fertility. I will crush it with this plague. And so when it seems to be maybe to you random that it's this river or it's or it's locusts or if it's frogs, it's all very much tied to their understanding as, as, uh, as religious people in Egypt and their pagan gods. So God attacks them directly and shows them that there is no God above Jehovah. And so he um, <clears throat> cements himself as the one true God, which is something that Israel as a, as a people, Jews as a people, will take very seriously as they go forward. The Lord, our God, is one. There's a passage in Deuteronomy. Um, let's go ahead and, and read it. If someone could find it real quick. Sorry, guys. I got it right here. Deuteronomy 6.4. So this is a huge verse. In their understanding of customs, laws, and their, their understanding of God. Do you have it, Freddie? Go ahead. 6-4? Yep. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Okay, that's, that's something that they recite. Um, that is something that's very important to them. So we'll come back to that in a second. Now, has Israel always been uh, treated as a nation state? No. No, they have not. And in fact, that's that has a lot to do with what you're seeing overseas right now with the the battles that are waging between uh, a terrorist faction called Hamas and then the state of Israel. We see that these uh, factions and skirmishes have been happening for the last thousands of years. Um, what is what is the main argument at hand? Do you know why they're fighting over there? Okay, what's so important about that? Yes. So the 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 con the constant battle is whether or not Israel has a right to that land, and whether or not they are recognized as an official state. And so Jews uh, and the Bible teaches, I believe, that Israel was given that land by who? God. God. And so no one can take it from him. Yet there have been constant disagreements, wars, battles, skirmishes, thousands of lives lost over. Well, you know. If I'm a Muslim, then I don't have to believe that that's your land, so I'm going to take it. And so that's been a constant battle is, uh, for their, uh, their idea as a sovereign nation. So we're going to look real briefly at Israel as a nation. Now, who bought, brought, built the first temple in Israel? King Solomon. Mm-hmm. Who destroyed the first temple? Uh, Good reading, Parks. So King Solomon built the first temple. The Babylonians destroyed the temple. Do you remember why God allowed them to destroy the temple? Because of, uh, they were, they were uh, punishment. They were wayward. Again, they were, they were not obedient. They were not faithful to God's promises, even though he was faithful. The temple was rebuilt by who? Uh, Herod the Great. Herod the Great. Good job again, Parks. Yeah. What? Yeah, that was just off memory, Herod. 
Uh, so Herod the Great renovated and rebuilt the temple, and then it was destroyed again by who? Someone other than Parks. The yeah. Roman the Romans. The Romans destroy the temple, and this ushers in a era of turmoil. And so you have back and forth ruling areas between the Byzantine era, between the Caliphate era that we era that we talked about a couple weeks ago with Islam, where basically these areas are being ruled by Christians, then Muslims, Christians, then Muslims. And then in 1948, after the Second World War has concluded and the greatest atrocity to, to Jewish people to date occurred, which was what? The Holocaust, over 6, 000, 6 million Jews are murdered for their faith alone uh, by, the, by Nazi Germany in 1948, after 2,000 years, when Rome, after 2,000 years the Romans destroyed their temple, Israel is established by, um, it uh, is recognized as a nation state, and they become Israel as they are today. And so that's very important. Uh, Dr. Mike gave a great talk last week. Uh, about that over in adult Bible study. I'd be glad to send you the link, but uh, we're going to, for the sake of time, just remember those dates. So in 1948, Israel becomes a nation. Um, but much happened up until that date that has a lot to do with how they interpret the Bible. And so when it comes to customs and laws, do you think that an Orthodox Jew, a conservative Jew, and a Reformed Jew all have the same understanding? No, no they don't. They don't, and so <laughs> that was a good, good guess. Though. Oh, I thought you left out the fourth one for a reason, like saying those three have the same. I did leave the fourth one out for a reason, uh, and we'll get to that in a second. But these three, these three Jewish groups, um, they they have different understandings of the law. Now, when I say the law, what does that mean? Sure, bud. Does Orthodox mean like them like believing like in the Old Testament and only the Old Testament, while like conservative believes in just the New? No. It's okay. It's a good guess. So. I don't even have my phone. So all of all three of these are Old Testament Jews only. But it comes down to their customs and laws. Orthodox Jews are going to be the ones that you see that are sometimes Hasidic Jews. They're going to wear uh, the hair pieces, the clothing, the hats. They're going to be very, very literal in their understanding. Uh, they're going to follow the letter of the law. They're going to carefully study the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible, which is where we get Jewish law. They, they, it, Torah means law or teachings. Uh, things written down by um, uh, Moses, and they're going to study these very carefully. They're going to memorize them. Uh, they're not only going to strive to obey, obey the Hebrew Bible, but they also take in other teachings from famous rabbis that have been added through the centuries. Uh, and some of these teachings were written in 8200 in a book called what? Not quite. So before the Talmud is the Mishnah. It's about a thousand pages long and consists mainly of instructions for how to live your daily life. So if Macy is an Orthodox Jew, she's got the Hebrew Bible, but then she has the Mishnah for like, how do I do this in my daily life? Um, and then around 8,500, another book comes and it is the Talmud. It's about 36 volumes. Uh, it's based on the Mishnah. But it has more material added, especially the very famous story, the Haggadah, which we're not going to have time to get into. But these three books, the Hebrew Bible, the Mishnah, and the Talmud, that is essential 
to the Orthodox Jews' life. Um, this is where they get their dietary laws. So this is a big difference between Orthodox, conservative, and Reformed Jews are dietary laws. Yeah. No, so Amish people are, um, they're, they're not Jews. They're Christians in some way. Um, Amish and Mennonite people, uh, that extends from the Puritan brothers uh, from the early colonial days of, uh, and especially our Dutch ancestry. Uh, and then you get Quakers and you kind of, it's a long story, but no. Uh, I might talk about them one day because we do have some Mennonite communities and Amish communities. In the South. But um, these dietary laws, what are some dietary laws that, that Jewish people observe? Do you know? Can't eat pork. Can't eat pork? What? Correct, Andrew? Huh? Um, somewhat. What about, what about, so they can't, uh, they don't eat pork or shellfish. Uh, it also forbids the cooking of a young goat in its mother's milk. And so because of that passage in Exodus 23, 19, they're so strict about their interpretation that Orthodox Jews will not eat meat and dairy products together. And so they'll separate them sometimes so extremely, they'll separate them by plates. Like you might have a steak here and then you might have a piece of butter here, but they're not going to mix them. Does that make sense? And so um, because of, and further, they're not allowed to uh, consume um, uh, fat or blood. So animals have to be slaughtered in a very specific way so that little blood stays in the flesh. Um, and again, these are, these are things that they pull from scripture. So yes, ma'am. So like I guess that's a good, that's a good question. Like we love casserole, but it, but it is a lot of foods together. Hey, good question. No, that's a legit question. Hey, Jack. I, I don't know any Orthodox Jews, but they do. All right, let's, let's. I was on a stride there. Let's keep it back in. Let's reel it back in, Gav. It's okay. So Orthodox Jews are very strict. That's what you need to understand. Very strict, very literal. Uh, and so their dietary laws are very to the T. They're not going to bend. They're, if, if Presley comes over and they hadn't seen either Presley in years, it doesn't matter what this Presley or that Presley, they're not bending. There's no special circumstances. Letter of the law. Another thing is the Sabbath. Now, what's the Sabbath? The holy day. The holy day. So, the, excuse me, the law of Moses says to rest from work on which day? Saturday. The seventh day. And so uh, the Sabbath day or the day of work. So Orthodox Jews will not work. They will not travel. They will not use the phone or any, any technology. Um, they won't touch money. Uh, they won't pose for pictures. Like they won't do anything. You won't see any Orthodox Jews posting up on the Sabbath. So very serious interpretation of the Torah, the Mishnah, and the Talmud. So that's Orthodox Jews. So then we have conservative Jews. And what do you think might be the difference with them and Orthodox Jews? They're uh, less conservative. So a little bit less lenient interpretation, well, not less lenient, more lenient interpretation of the Torah. Well, conservative normally is like the traditional 
But they still, even though they're, they're more lenient with the interpretation, they still believe the law is vitally important. Uh, conservatives also fight to keep the Hebrew language alive uh, and, and in the old traditions of Judaism. And so then we have reformed Jews. Now, what might they be? Perhaps most progressive. So they, they have, they're, they're quite a ways away from orthodoxy. Um, they teach that the principles of Judaism are more important than the practices. Does that make sense? So they teach principles more than practices. What might a principle be? For you take the Ten Commandments. Have no other gods before me. So they might, I don't know how they would take that, but uh, well, let's, let's, let's back off. Because um, that's, that's just idolatry. Let's take a Ten Commandment, thou shalt not murder. All right, so we know that in the New Testament, Jesus teaches that even if you look upon a man with hate in your heart, you've murdered. They're not going to say that, right? They're going to say, all right, the principle is don't kill anyone. And so they, they might be the most angry, uh, hateful, spiteful person you've ever met, but as long as they don't murder you, the principle's good. Well, perhaps, perhaps, perhaps they can. But, um, and also most Reformed Jews do not observe the dietary laws um, or even laws of what they should do on the Sabbath. So if you have Orthodox Jews who are very, very intentional about how they behave dietarily and also very intentional about what they behave on the Sabbath, Reformed Jews, that's not really a big deal to them. And so for me, I don't know if you have Jewish friends. I have a few, I have not a quite, a, maybe a handful of Jewish friends from college. I would say they're Reformed. They're, they're not very serious. Um, they're, they're uh, you know, you hear the term lapsed Catholic a lot. People use that term, and, and that just means that, like, they're Catholic, but they don't attend Mass. They don't go to confession. They don't do anything. Well, a lot of people can use that term for Judaism, lapsed Jew. They're non-practicing Jew. So that person is definitely a Reformed Jew. An Orthodox and a conservative Jew would not believe in such a thing as a non-practicing Jew. Um, but all three of them agree on this, is that the Sabbath is the holy day and it must be observed. Now, to which level they observe it, they disagree on. Now, when does the Sabbath begin on, for Jews? No. Okay, yep, doing great. Uh, sundown on Friday night. Did you say that? I could, no, sundown on Friday night. Sundown on Friday night and continues until sundown on Saturday. So 24 hours from Saturday, Friday night to Saturday night. Now, in Orthodox, uh, devout Jewish homes, as the sun is setting, the women uh, of the house with their family around, they'll light candles and give an age-old blessing um, called Blessed is the Lord, our Lord, our God, King of the Universe, who sanctified us by thy laws and commanded us to kindle the Sabbath light. The Father then would bless a cup of wine. Everyone has a sip, and then they slice a Sabbath loaf and have challah bread. Um, now, after dinner on the Sabbath, conservative and Reformed Jews were probably going to go to the synagogue. The main Orthodox, Orthodox people only usually have services on Saturday morning, uh, while most conservatives have a couple on um, 
Saturday afternoon. Now, quickly, before we move on to the, the main point, what is the high holy days of Judaism? So we have, we have Hanukkah. Rosh Hashanah. Yeah, very good. So, yeah, those are the two high holy days. Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. So Rosh Hashanah is the Jewish New Year. And it was very recent. I just spit everywhere. Um, and uh, Yom Kippur is the Jewish Day of Atonement, which, come day, which comes 10 days later after Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah. Uh, now, another... Another important time in Judaism is what? Think about, think about when the Exodus occurred. What incredible event? The Passover. And so um, we, usually, we usually celebrate what holiday that time of year? Easter. They celebrate Passover. Very good. Now, there is one great divide among Jews and Christians. And what is that? Is Christ, Jesus Christ. Okay, so it's not just the New Testament. It's who the New Testament is about. And so what does Messiah mean, literally? That's Emmanuel. Anointed one. Yes. So Messiah means anointed one. The division between Jews and Christian began when Christ walked on the earth. Judaism at that time had ventured into many different sects. They had the... Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Essenes, and the Zealots. Um, and all, all four of these people had a different understanding of who the Messiah was and what he would look like when they came. Now, the Zealots, do you know what they were looking for? They were looking for a mighty earthly king to restore their kingdom, right? Right, exactly. So when Jesus came and he was a lowly, great servant, they were very confused and they were very, actually very disappointed. Like, this can't be him. And then obviously we know from the gospel that the Pharisees and the Sadducees had a lot of disagreements with Jesus. And in fact, they would be the ones that would usher him into the high court and have him crucified. And so there's this great divide among who is the Messiah. Um, and so they continued to wait for him even as they, he appeared before them in uh, their very eyes. And so they, what does the Old Testament tell us about Jesus? <laughs> Prophecies, right? They tell us that a Messiah is coming. And so, 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 huh? Did you say something? Okay. So the Old Testament constantly, um, I lost my thought. Sorry. Uh, it's okay. I started it. All right. Y'all ran in for like five more minutes. Um, oh, what was I saying? So the prophecies of the Old Testament are telling of a coming king. And then when he arrives, the Jews of that time say, this is not the one. This is not the one. And so there is perhaps an incredible prophecy. All of them came to pass. That's what makes a prophecy true is that if, it's not a, if it didn't come to true, it's not a prophecy. It's just a lie. And so for a prophecy to be a prophecy, it must come to pass. And Jesus fulfilled all of his prophecies. And we see countless times in the New Testament where he goes through and he uh, quotes scripture. He affirms what must be done. He 
John the Baptist didn't want to baptize him because he said, I'm not worthy to do this. Yet he said, it must be done this way to fulfill the prophecies. And so, but in Isaiah 49 and moving forward uh, into Isaiah 53, there's a passage called the suffering servant. And it's the greatest messianic prophet um, that I, th- I think is in Scripture because it begins with chapter 49 and it describes God's servant, a Messiah king who will suffer to redeem his people from their sin and turn Israel to the Lord. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Has Israel turned to the Lord? Not all of it, right? And this is where we have our final group of Jewish people, which are the Messianic Jews, okay? So... So in the Messianic Judaism is a movement that gained increasing momentum during the last couple of decades of the 20th century. So Messianic Jews from every walk of life believe that Yeshua, the Hebrew name for Jesus, is the promised Jewish Messiah and Savior for Israel and the world. But he swears he's not Jewish, but we know he is. He's in his Hebrew roots. What's his last name? Castro. Mm. He's the Hispanic. So let's uh, so let's focus. Let's finish talking about Messianic Jews. So Messianic Jews are the ones who break the mold of Judaism because they believe that Christ is the promised Messiah. Now, what makes them Jewish then? Uh, not necessarily. They It's not necessarily that. They, they take the whole canon of Scripture as a Christian would, but they also they still protect, practice Jewish traditions. Um, and so when, when we were living in Loosedale... Huh? He's not a Messianic Jew, though. Um, there's nothing wrong with being a Messianic Jew... Uh, there was a church right by my house in Loosedale. It was a very large uh, for Loosedale Messianic Jewish church. But um, there, uh, this is the, the, where Jesus said he would come to redeem people of sin and turn Israel to the Lord. This is what I think that to believe, that there are people that have been Jews that have turned all the way to the Lord in obedience and repentance and faith, and they've come to trust Christ as their Savior. Um, so there are roughly today about 350 uh, Messianic Jewish congregations worldwide. I think that number is a good bit larger than what this book states just because of the age of this book. But um, it would, it's easy to say that more Jewish people have put their faith and hope and trust in Jesus. More have done so in the last 20 years probably than in the last 20 centuries as far as like Jewish people converting to Messianic Judaism. Um, And so that is a big deal. And so what are the major differences between Christianity and Judaism? You tell me. What does that mean, Parks? You can read it. You can say it. So this is, I wanted to ask Dr. Mike, and so I'm going to try to figure this out to make sure I'm right, because I don't want to tell you wrong, but that passage that Brody read in in, uh, Deuteronomy, they believe that God is one, God is one. Um, We believe as Christians, we believe God is one God in three distinct persons, 
And so even though, as we see in John 1, 1, where Jesus is with God from the beginning, the word of God was with him from the beginning, that Jesus and the Holy Spirit were there in the beginning, it's not entirely clear to me whether or not they believe in the Holy Spirit. But it is clear that they, those that are Orthodox, Reformed, and Conservative Jews, do not believe in Jesus as the Messiah, so there is a Trinitarian breakdown there. Yeah, they read the whole Old Testament. They're still waiting, right? They believe them. They're still waiting. Um, and so again, whether or not they believe in the Holy Spirit, they're still waiting on Christ. And so there's there's a breakdown in their understanding of the Trinity. So again, we, we understand that they think just like Islam, just like um, Mormons, just like Jehovah's Witnesses, they kind of believe that Jesus was a good guy, right? He did some pretty cool things, but is he the Messiah, the King of Kings? They're not willing to go that far. So that separates us from Jews. Sin. So they believe, as far as I can tell, that Jews believe that man is not necessarily born good or evil, but he's born free to between to choose between the two. We're taught in Romans 3 that all fall short of what? All are sinners. We're all sinners. We inherited it from Adam. Uh, our, and so we, everyone is a sinner. So we have a, disunder, we have a misunderstanding on sin. And then in salvation, we understand that by grace alone, through faith alone, no one goes to the Father except through who? Except through Christ, absolutely. And so there's moral living and atonement, uh, personal commitments uh, tied to Judaism that they believe uh, might save them in the end. But we understand that it's not on the works that we boast, but on the works of Christ. So how do we, as we wind it up, how do we reach our Jewish friends for Christ. Okay, I will, yeah, go ahead. Absolutely, so my, my suggestion is all of scripture for all peoples, for all of time. So Second uh, Timothy 3, 16 and 17, will you read that for me? Mm-hmm. Towards the back, go back. It's okay. If you go... Yeah, towards the back. No, I think you skip Peter's and Titus, Hebrew and James. It's okay. Three, sixteen, and 17. So we want to preach all of Scripture and teach all of Scripture, the whole canon of Scripture, as God intended. Yes, so that's, that's Paul teaching us there that, hey, all of it is for you. All of it is inspired by God. So we want to teach all of Scripture for all peoples. So we want to teach that the gospel of Christ, that Jesus came to die while we were still sinners for both the Jew and the Gentile alike. Remember when we studied the book of Ephesians? Paul's spent a lot of time saying that the gospel was both for Jews and Gentiles. And so we need to make sure that all people understand that Jesus died for them. And then for all time, yep. What? You look like you raised your hand. <laughs> okay. And then we want to, so we want to preach all of scripture for all people, for all 
time. So at this stage in history, post-resurrection of Christ Jesus our Lord, we are only waiting for Jesus to come the second time. Okay? We must remain ready for that glorious day. So we have to preach to Jews urgently. Not only has he already came and died for our sins and resurrected the first time, he will return the second time to judge all of earth. So Jews need to understand that he's already been here. And so we have to preach all of scripture to all peoples for all time.